Hi, this is Stuart Hardy with All In Sports Outreach. I'm so excited to share episode number 98 of our podcast with you. Today you're going to hear from Coach Brian Bell. He is currently the head football coach at China Spring High School in the Waco, Texas area. He's single. He lives in Waco. An incredible young man, incredible young leader, incredible young coach. Just a man of, of faith, a man of great character, a man of integrity. I can't wait for you to hear his story, so let's jump right into it. Well, thanks for joining me today, Coach Bell. Absolutely. So I always like to start these off with some background info, so if you don't mind, just tell us a little bit about yourself, where you grew up, your family growing up, and what you're doing today. Uh, well, uh, family today is uh, we're, we're all, it's pretty, pretty much a huge blessing. Uh, we're all in Waco area, and uh, we all live 10 minutes apart. Um, if you would have told me three or four years ago, we'd all be so close. It was kind of a shock. I was in uh, Georgia, Sean was in Round Rock, and my parents were here in China Spring. And fast forward to now, it, I mean, um, it's pretty neat having everybody so close. But, That's awesome. Yeah. So did you grow up here in the Waco area? Absolutely, yeah. I went to high school here at China Spring. Um, you know, being a coach's kid, not, not very often you get to uh, go kindergarten through 12th grade in one school. Wow. And very rare. So um, my dad being at China Spring for 23 years, that was a big blessing for me, not having to move around. Not the same story for my brother. He had to make a couple moves, but uh, it made my life a lot easier for sure. How far apart are you and your brother? Eight years apart. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. I didn't realize y'all were that far apart. Yes, sir. So <clears throat> did you grow up? Uh, in a family of faith, and then at what point um, did you decide that you needed that relationship with Jesus? I mean, I know, you know, when we were exchanging messages about this, you you alluded to in college is when you really found your identity in in Christ, but Mm -hmm. at what point did you make that decision? Uh, My family has been... um uh, like we grew up, in the, or I was growing up in the church, and well, every Sunday, every Wednesday night, going to church and youth group and all mm-hmm. that stuff, and very um, kind of active in it in, in that aspect. But um, in fourth grade was when I accepted Jesus into my heart um, at Vacation Bible School at Highland mm-hmm. Baptist here in Waco, and I'll never forget that time. Mark just repeating the, the prayer after Mark Weibel, and um, it was it was a, a good time. And I wouldn't say my life uh, changed. Um, I guess my life outside uh, kind of matured and starting to understand how, how conviction works and, mm-hmm. and that aspect. But um, in middle school and high school, just going to youth and, and going through that routine and everything, but didn't truly have a relationship with Jesus. Um, knew everything about the Bible, knew those things, but knew right from wrong. But my relationship with Jesus wasn't formed until I got into college. And mm-hmm. a guy by the name of Bo Beavers was the head of FCA in that area, um, really mentored me. and. Um, I was going through a lot of things at Sam Houston just playing my freshman year, um, being exposed to a lot of different uh, temptations and things like that, and I uh, started truly to f- finding my, my identity in Christ and um, having a relationship with Him. That's awesome. So we'll talk about faith here in a little bit. Uh, let's talk some sports. So you okay. mentioned your dad was a head coach here at China Spring. Mm-hmm. Um, as we're sitting here in the, in, in the locker room, <laughs> your brother played here as well. Yes, sir. Um, but, and he's now the... Um, Offensive line coach at Baylor, mm-hmm. but you you were telling me that you're, in your junior year, your dad's your head coach, your brother's offensive coordinator. So <laughs> talk about um, what it was like, and then you know just the pressure of playing the position of quarterback with your dad and brother on staff, and not to mention your brother being a former quarterback here at China Springs no as well. Yeah, that's a long question. Um, 
uh, just from the, the beginning, you know, my buddies, uh, all my best friends on the team, they'd always would joke with me um, at, during that time that I had two dads on as, as or at that time in my life and just because how hard Sean was on me. And like I said, we're eight years apart, so um, that's a big part of my testimony is just how good my, my brother has treated me over mm. my entire life and how close we are. And, of course, we've had our disagreements, oh, but yeah. um, how he's loved me. And, and uh, he, I can, when I was growing up, he'd come pick me up from school, take me out to eat. And uh, I just thought when Sean Bell walked into the class, Everybody knew who he was, and he was a big celebrity, so it made me feel cool. But, um, you know, my junior year was a, a fun time. I think especially easy on my mom because she only had to root for one team that year. Um, it's all being together, but uh, it, it was a lot of fun, and um, Sean was really, really hard on me just because I think he just loved me so much, and he wanted me to be disciplined. He, wanted me, he didn't want to take that year for granted, and he wanted me to be the best I could be. Uh, times I remember just Sean – uh, in the middle or before games just telling me I was the best quarterback in Texas mm. and how empowering that was for me and just of course I wasn't weighing about <laughs> 130 pounds my junior in high school I, I mean by no means was I the best quarterback in Texas but I believed it when he told me that and uh, I mean he just he really poured into me and that's when I truly found my passion for football was that football season um, and then my dad being the head coach uh, it was it was a blast and, and that's a year of football that no one will ever be able to take away from all three of us and so that was a, a good time for sure uh, what was the second part of that question? No, just the pressure of it. Um, oh, yeah. Of playing even the, the same position as your brother, mm -hmm. not only as him as coach, but also, you know, you go look, walk the hall here, you see his name on some records. And yeah, our family's really, really competitive, you know, and uh, especially growing up, uh, alluding back to the kind of how where my family kind of came from, you know, um, we always would time each other, or my dad would time us going to get the news or newspaper or mail and all that stuff. And like <laughs> around the dinner table, um, we never passed the, the, the roll basket around. You know, we grabbed a roll and we toss it to each other. And if you didn't catch it, you're not eating it. So, um, it, like I said, we're very competitive. But uh, fast forward to the question, the pressure. You know, I never really felt too much pressure following Sean's footsteps because he made it so easy on mm. me. And uh, we just got, we're outside in the hallway looking at our record board. And I, I broke some of his records. And so, um, he would be the first one to tell you he wanted me to break all of them. Mm. And he told me that throughout that entire year just um, how, how bad he wanted me to break all those and he, he, I mean, all that stuff. And so, like I said, it empowered me and it gave me a lot of confidence that I knew I had his support. And then you, you mentioned playing at, at Sam Houston State. So, how did you end up at Sam Houston State? I know Sean played at Baylor. Um, so, talk about the recruiting process and what ultimately led you to Sam Houston. Goodness, um, this is a good story, I guess. Um, you know, God definitely had his hand in this aspect of my life and in this decision-making process. But uh, when I graduated, or excuse me, graduated, when I finished my last game, my senior year in China Spring, we, or I didn't hold any offers. And about a week after the season, I remember sitting at the dinner, or dinner table and I was filling out an application to the University of Texas because one of my best friends lived two doors down from me. He was going to Texas. I was like, hey, we're going to be roommates. You know, my dream of playing college football is over. We're not going to happen. No one's recruiting me. And... Uh, my dad kind of walked through and he was like, man, you just got to be patient. He was like, it's not over yet, you know, we just still have, we still have some options maybe and uh, just got to let it all play out and, and be patient about it. Mm. And I was just so bitter at that time just trying to wait on the Lord and yeah. wait on him to uh, and move and I lost a little bit of hope. But, you know, like three or four days after I got a call from southeastern Louisiana, Mike Lucas called me, the head coach there, and offered me a full scholarship and it was an emotional wow. phone call just because – um, I lost so much hope in that aspect and what was going to happen, and I realized that no matter what happened, I was going to be playing college football, whether it was for Southeastern or somewhere else, but um, that was pretty cool. 
And then three or four days after that, Central Arkansas, uh, Clint Conk, who's the head coach there, he offered me a scholarship. And then uh, a week later after that, um, I got my first Division I uh, scholarship, University of Ohio. Frank Solich was the head coach there. Mm-hmm. And, and those are the only three offers I held, or held kind of taking my visits. So I took, all, uh, thankfully, all the schools let me to take my visits, and I, they didn't push me to commit or do anything along those lines. But um, I told all the schools after I finished them, I'd, t- I'd give them an answer that next Wednesday. Uh, my family, my dad's real type A uh, on the Enneagram. I don't know if you know anything about that, but it's kind of big in the in the area right now. Um, he's a type one for sure. Organized, pros and cons. Hey, we're going to list them out for each school. And uh, I, I, we came to the conclusion that I was going to go to Central Arkansas. I wanted to go to Ohio, but we're going to go to Central Arkansas. And before we even finished the conversation, my phone rang, and it was uh, Willie Fritz from Sam Houston State. And he offered me a full scholarship. And wow. I told him, hey, Coach, like, I respect this. I'm, all, I'm fired up about it. Uh, but i got to make my decision Wednesday. And Coach Fritz said, hey, come on an unofficial visit tomorrow. So my brother, my dad, and I hopped in the car. Um, the next day, took an unofficial visit down to Huntsville, Texas, and I knew right when I stepped foot on campus that this is exactly where I want to be after talking to Coach Fritz just because he was coming in. This was going to be his first season at Sam Houston. Um, he kind of got got in late in the recruiting process, and uh, he's a master motivator, and I just believed in everything he was going to be doing there. Um, so, and it was my only offer in Texas. So I think that was – I wanted my family to be able to see me play, my grandparents, my friends, and it all just kind of kind of worked out. Um, and the funny thing about the story, too, is my summer going into my senior year, I went to one of those little mini camps, mm-hmm. and we got in a car accident leaving. And I remember vividly telling my dad, hey, listen, I'm never going to school here, ever. Like, there's no <laughs> there's no way I'm going to Sam Houston State ever. And it uh, turns out – That's uh, the place uh, That was go. my plans, not the Lord's. So it all, it there all, you go. It all worked out. And then in, um, we've already mentioned that we're sitting here in the locker room at China Springs, so uh, you're now the head coach here. We're, we're – where did you begin coaching? I uh, actually started coaching for my brother at Magnolia West High School, uh, like northwest of Houston. Okay. Um, he went and got that job when I went to Sam Houston. So we kind of went in that area of Texas at the same time. On the weekends, I'd go visit him, and as many times Friday night games as I could make, I'd try to go watch him play. And um, it was kind of a cool transition after I got done playing to go work for him. Um, I worked out to work for him for a year, which was awesome. Um, I, I learned a lot of things, um, and our relationship grew throughout time. He actually had um, he has two or twin boys, two boys, and they were born really premature, mm. and so they were just kind of three, four, five months old at that time. And I got to be around them early in their lives, so that's that was a cool experience. And then uh, after that year of coaching finished, Coach Fritz offered me a graduate assistant job at Georgia Southern, and going into his second year, I got to be there for about six or seven months. Um, we got to win. Uh, we got to go bowl, uh, the GoDaddy Bowl, and we won the GoDaddy Bowl, beat at Bowling Green that year. Uh, then Coach Fritz got the Tulane job. I went with him to Tulane for two to three months. Things didn't transpire as as I liked them for them to transpire, and um, a lot of different variables. But ended up moving home. I got a job here at China Spring, and uh, everything turned out to be okay. How long have you been the head coach here at China Spring? This will be my second year, going into my second. So any, um, we've talked a lot about pressure because of what the Bell family has done at China Spring. Any pressure being the head coach, following, knowing the success that your dad had? Um, I think it's, and I've had, a, I'm lucky to have a lot of people pour into me and, and have me understand certain things uh, just about comparison. I think this is one of the coolest things was uh, I had let comparison steal joy a lot of times in my life and part of my testimony too, just um, 
having like looking back at things and or trying to compare my situation to other people rather than just being content. Mm. And it, it's really not fair for me to compare my first or second year to my dad's 30th year or my dad's 23rd year at China Spring. And uh, he's he learned a lot of lessons that I still have to learn, and he's forgotten more football than I've even come close to learning right now in my life. So um, it would be silly for me to even try to compare that situation. So I just try to keep our program as consistent as possible to what he's established um, to try to make him proud and, and what he's built here at China Spring, but, uh, but I try not to compare it. I don't know. He's, I got a long ways to go to try to catch up to him. So That's good. I, I wrote down, don't let comparison steal your joy. I mean, that can apply to anybody, not just your situation. Oh, absolutely. That's, I, think, I the, think with the social media world, comparison yeah, is easy. Same thing. Yeah, you know, it's it's, for, for anybody, kids, no matter yeah. where you are, kids. Twitter, Instagram, the yeah. temptations that they fall, or, or have uh, kind of comparing cars, comparing situations, money. Yeah. I mean, it's tough nowadays. That's good. So just in your brief coaching, whether it's um, – Magnolia or Georgia Southern, Tulane, or here at China Springs. You're an athlete or two just from pure athletics. It just really stands out. Yep. Uh, one of them actually is at Tulane right now hmm. playing for Coach Willie Fritz. His name's Tyreek James. Uh, Tyreek was just an unbelievable human being and how the community rallied around him and how much he loved the people here and how much the people here loved him. And he, He's one of those uh, high IQ football guys who, who could play any position on offense. Um, a quarterback, running back. He actually did play all those positions, and so a, take, a testament to his athletic ability. And then another one was the quarterback my, my first year at China Spring when I was calling plays, uh, Cutter Haygood. He, him and I are dear friends now that he's graduated, and we play golf all the time together, and I try to take him and his girlfriend out to, out to eat all the time as much as we can. But Cutter was his freshman year he started at safety and corner. His sophomore year he started at inside receiver. Junior year outside receiver, and then his senior year he took us to the semifinals and um, we lost to Carthage, but as a quarterback. And so, I mean, wow. just the athletic ability of that within itself is is crazy. And he was he was a special, special athlete. What about um, an athlete that you've seen uh, God use in their life? Um, you're talking about God use in their life, just um, just as you using you in in their life to encourage them to you know meet a need or whatever. Yeah, I don't know if I can, and, and I'm not saying this to like because I. I impact a lot of people, right. or a lot impact a lot. I don't know if I could pinpoint one. I think one of the treasures in coaching and teaching is um, being having kids come back and tell you how grateful they are for you and how thankful they are for you. And those those are special special times, just because you know you don't get to see that in the moment and and discipline kids and and trying to have them see a higher purpose for themselves. Mm-hmm. It's, it's it's tough to see in the moment, but uh, having them come back later on is, is special. I don't know if I could pinpoint one, but uh, I just hope that uh, God is using me for that purpose and and uh, to draw some kids closer to Him and see that. Absolutely, I think. Uh, and William is here, so he's gonna oh. he's gonna ask the one, one question for you. <laughs> okay. Um, what role does your faith play in your coaching, and is there any resistance? Uh, you know, that's a good question. Um, all the first part of the question, just about the faith and and the coaching aspect, is I think that's the best thing about the game of football is just how close uh, life is to the game and how there's so many comparisons. I think it's just a big blessing to be able to um, translate those things, those life lessons to the game of football and the game of football to life lessons. And um, that's the one thing that I try to do and our coaches try to do as much as possible. And I don't know if we come out and talk about faith and how they compare so so, um, 
similar, but just the, the truths of faith and the truths of uh, your walk with Christ. Uh, we try to take those truths and then make them fit into the game of football. Mm-hmm. And then uh, uh, for just about like forgiveness and uh, talk about um, understanding. Uh, I mean, there's so many different things. There's so many truths that do relate to the game of football. So um, I don't know about coming out and talking about it as much as, as possible, but at the same time, uh, just using those uh, constants uh, that can relate so easily. Have you had any resistance from players or parents, um, you know, being a person of faith? Uh, no, I just, China Springs is just a wonderful community. Yeah. And like I said, we don't come out and talk about it all the time. Uh, granted, we do pray before games and do a lot of different things. And like, if kids want to talk to me about it, then I'm more than open to talk to them right. about it. Um, and there's been no reservations. China Springs is a special community, um, but you also want to res- respect um, everybody being a public school uh, and what their views are. But at the same time, I'm always open to talking to athletes uh, when they come up to me. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. What would you say um, early in your career is your greatest memory or accomplishment? Uh, I would say that first year when Cutter Hager was our quarterback, uh, I don't think his grade had beat La Vega at anything, if I remember that correctly. Like basketball, football, growing up their entire year, or entire careers in sports, they hadn't beat him. And then in the corner, quarterfinals of the playoffs that year, we upset them in, in uh, Waco ISD Stadium. And to see that was my first year coaching those kids and to see the joy on their faces um, after that game was truly special. And for me to just even be a part of that was awesome and how, how long they had been working for that moment. Uh, it, was a, it was a cool environment. What about, kind of flip it on the other side, um, greatest disappointment or challenge? Oh, goodness. The greatest disappointment would, I guess, probably be that next week. And it kind of tells you how uh, the game of football goes and highs and lows happen so fast. Um, but the next week we lost to Car- Carthage in triple overtime. Oh. And, goodness, you know, I just after that game I sat back and just realized, you know, I, I might not ever be – in the semifinals and ever again in my entire career. I might not coach in a triple overtime game for the rest of my career. And those are both in the same night, you know, in the same game. And just um, that was very disappointing just because we, we were so close and we had opportunities. We just didn't convert and just, you know, just upsetting. But that's the way it goes. That's the game. And that's kind of how life is too. Just got to be ready for um, you're on top of the world one day and then seven days later um, you're – packing your bags and you're going home and checking in equipment so it's just tough sometimes but uh, that's the way it goes very true very true so a question about balancing um the demands because coaching is uh, more than a full-time job i mean it's a question it, it, it's a lot so how do you balance that with life outside of football you're a single guy so mm-hmm. you know Second part to that question of how do you balance it? Then, what advice would you offer somebody very similar, a single coach, as it relates to balancing life and career? I think this is probably uh, just being vulnerable. That's probably one of the biggest struggles that I have mm-hmm. um, in coaching. And I think, and especially this past season, get taken on my first year of head coaching and. Um, I had a lot of people say, hey, you, you don't need to do it all, all by yourself. You don't need to do it all by yourself. And then there's times where I just feel like I had to, and I feel like, and that's not true. And so I feel like I'd, I like to encourage a lot of people. I, did, I mean, I believed them when they gave me that advice, but um, when going and making decisions, it was really easy just to try to do something by myself and, and not lean on anybody else for help. And, and I think that really hurt me, and mm-hmm. I think it hurt our um, kind of, Uh, just I guess our staff a little bit and things and I didn't trust them as much as I could have and so that's something that this past spring this past summer I really tried to work on with myself 
and kind of how to turn off the game, you know, in my head and just mentally just check out for a little bit because it's not healthy to be thinking about something 24-7. It's just really, it's not, it's not easy. Um, I mean, it's not an easy job, but at the same time, you're going to drain yourself so much. I think that took a toll on me mentally this past season. Mm. But moving forward, just uh, any advice I'd like to give would, like I said, just uh, you're not you're not in this thing alone. And the biggest thing, I, biggest uh, thing you probably do when you do try to do it alone is you hurt the people around you mm. and you hurt your loved ones um, just because you f- you feel like you're in it alone. So, uh, so being a single guy, I don't have people to go home to I go home to an empty house you know and uh, that's it's it's lonely sometimes but uh, you you find strength in your community find strength in your family that's where I do and uh, find find strength in my faith um, and that's it. it makes it makes it special but uh, the, there's so much more to life than the game of football and I hope that my kids or my, I say my kids my my teams and our coaches I hope that everyone understands that here at China Spring is uh, we love to win and we're going to be competitive and we're going to try so hard and, and we have to work hard in order to be successful uh, but at the same time there's so much more to life in this game and if we do consume ourselves with it wholeheartedly it's, it's more detrimental to it than mm-hmm. when it will then it'll help us so just um, I think that's the advice I'd like to give that's good so this next question has got to do with the role of sports and culture. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I like to tell people I'm not trying to go um, in, down the politics trail, <laughs> but um, you know, culture is very divided, whether it's race, mm-hmm. socioeconomics, religion, politics. I mean, there's just so much division. But sports seems to be one of the few things that can bring people together. So in your playing and coaching career, how have you seen in your case, football, kind of tear down those barriers of where there is division. Um, and this brings me back to uh, something Coach Fritz used to t- say in our team meetings every single year, which was I thought was really cool. Um, he would just kind of pick out a race and ask, ask that race to stand up. Hmm. And then, I mean, there's so many different races on our team. And then uh, ask different religions, hey, would you please stand up? And people who like country music, people who like rap music, people who like Christian music, people, I mean, all, all different sorts of um, things and, and, and intentions, I guess you could say, or different aspects of your life um, and different desires, I guess, for each individual person. In the game of football, we all have to understand that um, in order for us to be successful, there's a there's a higher goal, you know, and we all have to submit to that. And that's kind of like our motto here at China Spring. This, I guess you say motto. I guess every team's got a motto when they enter a year. And ours is one way. Um, it's kind of like a one-way sign on the street. And I think it kind of applies here. Just if you're going down a one-way street, right, and, and someone's going the wrong direction. Right? One of two things we'd like to say happen. Either one, there's going to be an accident, right, and you're not going to uh, – something bad's going to happen. Or two – um, the cars moving in the correct direction are going to have to slow down. And so in order for us to get to where we want to go as a program or as a team or any sports, you know, um, we all need to be, submit our desires and be unselfish to a, a point and kind of put our uh, selfishness aside, I guess you could say, and, and submit to the success and submit to the program. And, and it's not about one person or, or the coaches. It's not about the, just the players. It's about everybody. And uh, we all need to be moving in the same direction. I like that one way. I do. I like that. I like that. There's also one way to get to heaven, isn't it? That's right. There you go. See Jesus. There you go. It's a nice little subtle, there you go. subtle way to, to point people. And that's a good conversation starter, too. Mm. That's awesome. I like that. A lot of our listeners, um, like yourself, are in, in coaching. We have quite a few that listen to an athlete. So what advice would you offer 
um, a student athlete or a coach that is a follower of Christ but wants to better use their platform that they have of athletics? Mm. I think, like I said, I kind of alluded to it a second ago, just um, it's not all about football, you know, and um, and the advice my brother gave me kind of going into my first year this past year, uh, first year being a head coach was um, just make every decision based on what's in the best interest of the kids. And that's good advice for some coaches. Just if you make every decision based on kids, then uh, it's, it's hard to make a bad decision. And so that, that was really encouraging for me for the coach, coach's aspect. Um, but one thing we've been kind of alluding to on our program is just about a marathon. And, you know, in this game and seasons and careers, uh, they're not sprints, uh, they're marathons, and you're going to be um, tempted and you're going to be uh, asked to quit all the time, you know, and, and face many different trials, but it's just a tough, um, I, as you move forward, you have to make those decisions to persevere and fight through those trials um, and just be as intentional in that process as you can. Very good. I like the um, just a reminder because I'm gonna have to remind myself that even <laughs> in just life, whether it's parenting, marriage, no, I hear you. job, oh, I'm that, not good at any of this stuff. I can talk a marathon, about it. right? I'm not saying I've got all this stuff mastered, yeah. but by no means. Yeah, but I like. I always. I have to remind myself all the time that you know I like to think of things as a sprint. Oh, you know, because mm-hmm. like you, I I want to do it. Satisfaction. Yeah. But you know, life is a marathon. Absolutely. So that's that's always a a good reminder. Um, this is always a fun one for me to ask just because I like to take notes and go back and, um, and reflect on them. So mm-hmm. this is about a favorite scripture. Do you have a favorite verse or maybe one that God's shown you recently? Yeah, let me put, I'm gonna, give me one second. Pull yeah, up on my no phone. problem. Because I, I enjoy, um, I have another folder where I have all the notes of all the previous interviews, and I'll mm-hmm. go back and look at that question mm-hmm. and go, Wow, that verse really spoke to me today. I, I needed that. Absolutely. You know? So that's one reason why I like to ask it. At church, uh, we're actually going through the book of James. And uh, right from the jump, he uh, he's talking about trials and temptations. Mm. And uh, in James 1, 2, he says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Um, and I think that that's kind of hints to that marathon thing I was talking about. Um, I think that's one of the only things, not one of the only things, but uh, we are promised here on earth is it's going to be tough mm-hmm. and uh, trials are going to happen and that's, that's inevitable. It's know? not if, right? And, yeah, exactly. <laughs> There's no if. So um, it's just battling through that and understanding that we, we must have hope and finding hope in that. And that's, that verse has really spoke to me just like, like I said with the marathon thing. It's just uh, we're going to have trials, but it's about perseverance, about fighting through. It's about seeing the higher good and, and understanding that at the end of the road, it's going to be a lot better um, than the beginning of the road. And, uh, and that's life. Um, that's football seasons. And just trying to find hope in that. That's good. It's, um, it's interesting you mentioned that because I just started yesterday morning reading James. I'm telling you. James 1 yesterday Special. morning. That's a lot. And James yeah. 2 today. And yep. yeah, there's there's a lot in there. I like to go back and um, especially James one, I like to go back, um, you know, maybe once a year or so. And that's and, a special book. And go through it because there's a lot in it there. It is. Yeah. Some good and I need that, and I need the reminder that James one a lot about that. Just to remind myself that I, you know, when I go through a trial, there's a reason. Oh, absolutely. You know, I don't it's always, tough to see it in the. Moment. I don't always think that. Yeah, but, no, me yeah, neither. That's me good. Neither. So the last question, um, two words that are real big in sports, all in. I mean, it's from Clemson's chin straps to. Basketball teams had on T-shirts, so we know what it means. But also, as a follower of Christ, I mean, Jesus is very clear that to be His follower, 
Um, we have to put all of our selfish stuff aside. So this is kind of a more of a practical question mm -hmm. for you, Brian. What does it look like in your daily walk to be all in for Christ? Uh, a quick story, I guess you okay, could say. Yeah. And this, and this happened at church this morning, and our pastor had, had alluded to the story. So, And that kind of sparked it whenever you said that, but just because it was this morning. So um, have you ever seen Castaway, the movie? Mm -hmm. Um, with Tom Hanks and that yeah. actor. Yeah. I'm not real good with actors, but yeah. um, you know, in the movie, he's talking about um, just uh, um, he's talking about. I'm trying to think of the exact story. Uh, you know, the pony clashes. Uh, he is on the island for a long time, yeah. and then his uh, wife, I guess you could say, um, whenever they finally meet up, um, they they embrace each other and they run to each other and they uh, they hug each other real I mean real hard or whatever. She was like, I knew you were there. I knew you were there. I knew you were there. And it was kind of a special moment because she was like, they all told me you were gone, you were dead, and, and I knew you were alive, alive. You know what I'm saying, alive and well. And so uh, then, you, like in the next scene, you realize and you find out that she was married. Mm. And so she had remarried. And it kind of gets you to thinking, like, uh, he t tried to allude to the fact where if she really believed that he was alive, then why'd she go on and not live that direction? Uh, or not live in that in that way, yeah. And not live uh, if she, if she truly believed that aspect and and believed that he was still alive, then she wouldn't have uh, remarried. So that's kind of the thing is if we truly believe that uh, there's a heaven, if we believe Jesus did die on the cross, then uh, what are the decisions we making in our everyday life? And uh, are we truly believing that? And you know, are the desires of our heart are overflowed and and poured out through our actions? And no deeds as a Christian aren't everything, um, but they are necessary and. Um, that it kind of expresses, we, we show through our deeds um, our faith. And um, they don't immediately get us into heaven, and that's not based on everything about a Christian. But at the same time, um, they are necessary to, to prove um, and to live out and to, and to show our faith through those. You know, it's interesting you talk about deeds because um, this morning we went to um, at least the Bible Fellowship part of church before we drove down to Waco, and that's what our topic was. Um, the topic of deeds and this, you know, this, you know, talking about, you know, salvation is free, but it goes back to James. You know, faith without works is dead. Absolutely. But if you truly, because I mean, absolutely. You know, James remind us that um, even the demons believe. Mm -hmm. You know, so if you truly have faith in Christ, then the the good deeds will follow absolutely. because of just that overflow. I like what you said. Um, if we truly believe. You know, Jesus died on the cross, then my life should reflect that. Absolutely. That's good stuff. Mm. Um, very good. I like that I'm writing that down. Um, I like that, just that reminder for me anyway, um, and hopefully somebody listening that if I believe that Jesus died, then is my every moment of my life today reflecting that? Absolutely. And my coworkers and my family really mm -hmm. going to look at me and go, he truly is a follower. <laughs> A lot of times I think they don't, but yeah. Hey, um, this, um, our pastor Jonathan Pacluda alluded to this morning too. Just talked about, um, you know, people come to Christ because they can trust a Christian, and that's kind of humbling. And it's kind of like they don't just mm. come to Christ because you know what I'm saying they they usually trust a Christian and then they come to church and that in that aspect. And so talked to us about just being able to be trustworthy and in, in those aspects. And so that's pretty convicting. And then he also alluded to the fact that people leave the church 
because of something that somebody does. It's like they blame it on the church, but it's usually somebody acting out in selfishness mm. or gossip or something. Uh, and that's why in, in their own lives to lead them away from church. And so it was real convicting this morning. He had my heart hurting as I was walking out. But, that is a lot. Yeah. It feels good when you say somebody yeah, the believes heart. in Christ because of yeah, us. Exactly. You're right. Yep. People go the other direction Without, too because of us. And absolutely. that's that's kind of scary. But a good reminder. Absolutely. That's good. Yes, sir. Good deal. I know. Um, I know it's a crazy time with uh, football starting and school starting. So thanks for um, sitting down for a few minutes here at the locker room and sharing your story. Absolutely, appreciate, I appreciate it. you having me. It's an awesome ministry you've got going, and um, like I said, I've listened to most of the podcasts or some of them. I know you got a bunch of them. <laughs> I've listened to th- three or four of them this past week, and it's awesome ministries you've got going, and it's cool to hear other people's stories. And I think just. Um, the platform we have as coaches is mm. it's neat. It's neat to hear those reminders and and to learn from other people's, um, I guess, wisdom and the shortcomings that they've had and the lessons that they learned from that. It's it's pretty uh, cool to see. Awesome, appreciate yeah, it. Appreciate you. Thank you again to Brian for taking time to sit down and share his story, share his heart. I hope you got a glimpse of uh, of who he is and his passion for life, his passion for for following Christ and making Him known. Um, just a couple takeaways as I sit here and look at the notes to wrap this up. Um, we talked about you know his current position at China Spring and any pressure of coaching where his dad was a longtime coach and his brother played. Um, he just simply said, don't let comparison steal your joy. And I think that's so true for all of us in a social media age where it's easy to, to get caught up in comparing ourselves with others. And we can't fall into that trap because that does steal our joy. We need to be who God created us to be. He created each one of us for a special purpose in a special way, and we shouldn't be comparing others, because that does suck the joy right out of life. You know, the other thing I I really liked about, we're talking about what is it like to um, be all in for Christ, and he said, you know, if we truly believe that Jesus died on the cross, Does our life reflect it? You know, we all say we believe that, but do our words, do our actions, do our thoughts reflect that every day? Can people look at your life and my life and say they truly are living like they believe that Jesus died on the cross? That was um, just a great reminder for me, I hope, as well for you, um, that I need to evaluate what my life looks like. You know, and one more thing was, you know, he just talked about you got to be unselfish in everything. You know, he was tying it to um, coaches and his role that it's not his desires. You can't be selfish. But it's true for all of us as we got to reflect on loving God, loving others above self. So thank you again to Brian for sharing your story. Thank you again for listening. I hope you'll share this episode with somebody. I um, hope you were as encouraged as I from sitting down talking to Brian. And lastly, you know, we love to hear from you. You can inter- interact with us on our website, www.allinsportsoutreach.org, or social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Just type, just search uh, All In Sports Outreach, and you'll find us. You can find out who we are, why we do what we do, um, opportunities to, to pray for us, to serve with us, and to give. Thank you again for your support, your prayers, and encouragement.